I gotta get back to Mr. Rogers' class. Um, I don't know who that is. What that, that was. was Rosario Dawson. Let's get back to the present day where he like tells her, "I want you to wear that silver dress tonight." I don't know. I gotta say, I didn't really like that silver dress on her. I thought we could you know, do something better. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page of this. I think she should have gone back to the school girl. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, and I finally watched 25th Hour. So, we're continuing Spike Month, and this is one I have actually seen. But I, going into this, remembered almost nothing about it. And then, as I was watching it, I was like, okay, alright, it's coming back to me, it's coming back to me. But then it sort of got to the point where I'm like, did I ever finish this movie? Because <laughs> I remember up until he gets into the nightclub, and I think I remember the scene where Philip Seymour Hoffman goes into the bathroom, but I didn't remember anything after that. And I'm wondering if I ever finished this movie because I was mm. like, I'm pretty sure Barry Pepper turned him in. And then things in the movie happened to where they're like, oh, it was Barry Pepper. And you're like, okay, so it wasn't him. So yeah, I don't know how this movie ended and then when it did i was like that's actually a nice surprise um and and another thing too is like the i kept seeing the photo of uh edward norton really fucked up like his face beat in and i was like how does that happen and then when you figure out how it happened i was like that was a cool twist too which only works if you like happen to see that photo and knew it was coming but otherwise it was just what what photo like in the movie a photo like a like a screensaver i have the dvd it was just him like looking out the car window as his dad drives him in and he's been completely beaten up and you're like how did that happen oh uh, people might just think that's from fight club well not if they're watching the movie no no no, no not if they're watching the movie um you know, this movie kind of like reminds me, I forget the name of it, um, but we did it. The movie where the the stock is falling, the the crash in, in 08. Did we do Margin Call? Margin Call. Did we do that movie or did I just have you watch it? Wait, did you just have me watch a movie and not record a podcast episode about it? I don't you know. Might I don't have, think... You might have just had me watch it. I don't think we've done margin call. Well, now we can. Well, now we can. Um, it reminded me a lot of margin call, and and what I mean by that, I, I think I just mean the tone. The tone yeah. is a lot like margin call, and how it's very like simple, and you have all these great actors really performing their heart out, but it's not elaborate set pieces. It's not a lot of different locations. It's very like this linear story with kind of like just these guys um not a lot of background actors or or anything like that i guess until you get to the club scene that's the big one right but like it's it's pretty simple and i don't want to say boring but at times i was just a little bit tired of this film um, I think I can see that because when I first watched this, I was like, I don't really understand what all that was about. And then watching it this time, maybe I'm a little bit older, I don't know, but I think I appreciated it a lot more. 
You know what I had the thought today is, and I don't think you haven't watched a lot of his movies, but this to me was like Spike Lee's take on a Woody Allen movie. Like, yes, this super New York movie where it's kind of just very character based and there's not really a whole lot. There's like there is a plot. And in this case, there is this plot contrivance of like him figuring out who did this to him, his last 24 hours before jail. But it really is just like characters going through this one day um, and their kind of interactions together. And like there is this whodunit element of like who set him up. But I don't know. As you said, it's just a very simple movie. um, It's not set up as a whodunit. It's not like he's investigating throughout the movie. No, it's not. But but the movie does play with that idea of like, oh, maybe it's this guy. Maybe it's his girlfriend, right? And then you get a payoff of like, oh, it was none of these people that you thought it would be. Right. So I don't um, know. I can't wait to tell you who I thought it was. Um, Just tell me no. I thought it was Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, I mean, so originally, like I said, I thought it was like Barry Pepper. And then um, I was like, oh, well, they're just playing way too much into this being Barry Pepper. So I was like, it clearly can't be him. And I, like same with Natural. I was like, well, I mean. You know, her face when he when the police come in is like, I mean, that's clearly, oh, she feels guilty. But it's it's also the face of someone who's like, fuck, the cops are here and like, we're we're fucked, you know, like they're going to find the drugs. So, um, yeah, I think Seymour Hoffman was like kind of like the the oh, it's it's the one that no one's expecting. So it could be him. I thought it was him. I thought it was a jealousy thing. That's what I thought it was. Seymour Hoffman. He was like an incel. Kinda. He was just like this this kind of lowly guy who was just like I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, there was this conversation in the movie that was happening at the uh at the World Trade Center site, right? The Yeah, in the apartment. Yeah. And um uh I forget his name, Barry Pepper's character. Um Frank frank yeah but so so they're talking right and frank just seems like he really really wanted to know who did it and philip seymour hoffman he just had this like guilt essence about him um i i just never thought it was barry pepper i thought it was seymour hoffman but that but it turned out to be neither of them and so then then knowing that it's none of them And then watching that conversation again, it's like, okay, they're just having like this, like really real conversation. That's what I have to say about this dialogue. The dialogue is like very natural, natural, if I may say so. Uh Uh, But it it just this like very natural dialogue that almost doesn't seem natural in the sense of like, you've never been in this situation. I've never been in that situation. But if one were to be in the situation, it's kind of messy. It's it's like it's messy dialogue as to someone who would actually be in the situation would talk. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's very like, as you said, it just feels very natural. I um, I, I think that scene, too, I think you got it a little bit backed up or mixed up where Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is like, you know, I wonder who did, you know, I just wish someone hadn't sold him out. And Frank's like, oh, fuck that. No one sold him out. He's a drug dealer. Like these things just happen. 
And I think that's why it's like making you think it's Frank a little too much because he's like, oh, no one probably sold him out, right? Like it just, you know, he just got caught, you know, he's it's conspicuous. Um, but I mean, the other thing about this movie is just like, so this movie was written as a book in 2001. This um, movie was written as a book? Yeah, it was written as a book first. It's oh, actually no. it was so it's based on okay okay so it's based on so it's book. actually similar to a sideways situation where it was written and not even published yet and Toby Maguire bought the rights to it but then he ended up doing Spider Man instead and so he stayed on as a producer and then Ed Norton took it over um, before it was even published for this and, movie yeah okay and I've written <laughs> Toby Maguire well, sideways, sideways sideways was uh, bought and as a movie before the book was even published like oh. so similar situation. So they're writing the movie and then September 11th happens. And so they add that stuff in and I was trying to figure out there's some information about this movie. That's kind of like, you know, if you have like a super, super popular movie, there's so much information on it. And this is like a lesser spike movie, but it's beloved by a lot of people who really like spike, but there's a, there's bit of, factoid about the scene where he's doing the fuck you speech into the mirror he starts talking about his dad's bar and his dad is watching a game with a bunch of guys in it and they're a bunch of firemen yeah yeah and from what i read every one of those firemen were in a certain uh what do you recall them? precinct or whatever all every guy in that scene died at, in september 11th but then i was like I didn't, I was trying to figure out when this was filmed because like it was also filmed after September 11th. So I imagine they had like started the process, right? And they'd got these firemen in, but yeah, every one of those guys passed away. Like, so they were, so, so you're talking about real life. Like they were real firemen. They're real firemen. In that scene. And they died in 9-11. And they actually died. Holy shit. Um, but I couldn't find any more information on it. First I read it. I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. Cause so that little memoriam, that little memoriam in his bar is actually like their memoriam. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so like the whole addition of that element to it, and it's done in such a way that is not like, hey, this is a 9-11 movie. It's like, hey, this is happening around this time. And so we obviously have to address it. I think it's just done kind of perfectly. And it's like really like it adds to the I film. I mean, if like, you're if you're doing it and you're you're planning the release around, you know, 2001, 2002 and you have like the the base set not only is it set in new york but new york is kind of like a character in the film right yeah i think the way they address it like you said is pretty perfect where you have to talk about these elements these elements are inevitable to talk about but you still don't want these elements to overtake your movie you still want to tell the story that you're telling I agree. So I think we can start from the beginning and you don't know who that guy is when they grab the dog. Um, Oh, right. The big Ukrainian Russian guy. So that guy is Tony Siragusa. Okay. He is a very famous football player who got a pretty big role in the Spike Lee movie. And is like upon reflection was actually pretty great in this fucking movie. I have to tell you, I was not a fan of the opening of this movie be- because before you even see Ed-, Ed Norton or anything as the title, like as the uh, production 
studio uh, logo comes up, you hear the dog being beaten. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was did, just glad did Taylor watched this with you I, because I was, she she came in like like after that, like she came in a little later. Um, but I was so glad she was not there for that. Yeah, I agree with that part. That part's rough. And you're like, why you don't need to to have that those noises in there. Um, but I like I, I can't like fully like describe at the time having this dude who I think still does some commentary for football games, but having this pretty fucking good football player just like oh we're gonna put him in this movie and you're like why the fuck would you do like find someone actually competent and then you're like oh no you know what he actually is pretty great in the role he's funny which he was known for being funny when he played um and then it turns out it's fucking him he's the like <laughs> he's like the main antagonist too basically does he have that thing. accent does he have that accent in real life no, I mean he sounds like uh he sounds like those fucking Italian guys. Like he sounds like in real life he sounds like he always has a pastrami sandwich in his cheeks, but no, like right, yeah. Right, right. He he's not he's not Ukrainian or anything like that. He's like fucking he's oh, from that's, Pittsburgh. That's crazy. That's really good though. No, that's what I'm saying. And at the time, like when he's putting him in this movie, you're like, why are you fucking doing this? Why don't you find someone who can act? But he's actually kind of perfect size and like he did great. Um and I just love the beginning when he's like bull pit and then the whole Doyle's law. And he's like, you mean fucking Murphy's law, you idiot. Like, but then they ended up, they end up calling the dog Doyle anyway. Yeah. So. Which was great. Well, and he's also, uh, in Norton's Irish or his characters. I don't know what the fuck at Norton is. Um, he, his character's Irish. I know. That's what I'm saying. Um, and then we next get him walking around with the dog, the junkie trying to buy drugs off of him. And he's like, fuck that. I'm out. And, it's funny when you go into a movie, you always do this and I did this too. Like you read the IMDb and it's like his last day before he served seven years. Yeah. You don't know about the seven years until like way deep into this movie, how long he's going to jail for. There is no exposition. That That wasn't in the, that wasn't in the synopsis that I read. I just read last day before he goes to jail. I didn't know how long, but right. He's like, you learn that in the movie way down the road in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so so Taylor asked me, she she starts watching it with me at this point, and she's like, how long is he in there? And I was like, I was like, 20, 25. She goes, 25 years? I'm like, 25 <laughs> hours. <laughs> one one day in jail. He's, he's making hour. a way bigger deal out of this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, well, I don't know. I still wouldn't want to go for even a day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the next thing is he's going. He goes to his old school. He's just like reliving the day, walking the dog. And um, I like how the like the principal lady comes up to him and tries to get him to leave, and then he just sweet talks her and to basically she just like lets him stay with the dog, right? Because he goes to his friend's classroom. Um, but it just sort of shows you his like character of why kind of he's able to have made this life for himself. Yeah, because he's just dislikable. Uh, <laughs> sounds like I said dislikable guy. He is this likable guy who has a certain charm to him. I So Philip Seymour Hoffman is teaching this class and the way the classrooms are set up and I get the sign outside says prep school. So it's a private school. Right. Um, but it, it looks like a college class setup, especially the way Philip Seymour Hoffman has his students like around him in a circle. Right. 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 And then you meet the most of fucking annoying character in this whole movie is played by Anna Paquin. Yeah. And, uh, holy hell, dude. 
But what I really love about her character, I it I was like, oh, this is high school. So everything she's doing, the way she's dressed, her tattoos, the way she's coming on to her teacher, it would have been inappropriate in, in a college setting, super inappropriate in a high school setting. You never had girls that did that in high school? Dude, my high school, man, I could sit here for, I went to a private Baptist high school with uniforms. No, we did you, too. You'd but be like, sent home so fucking fast. What, for flirting with a teacher? Oh, I thought you were talking about like dressing like that. Or... No, 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 no. But even with the uniforms, I mean, they wore skirts, right? And like, yeah, they were supposed to be a certain length, but they didn't get checked all the time. Like... Yeah, girls would do that shit. They would flirt with the teachers and stuff like that to try and get their way. Not to her extent of well, what no. she does. Sure, but also I don't... Never happened in front of me. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> None of the high school girls flirted with you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about with the teachers, but they <laughs> sure the hell didn't flirt with me. <laughs> Forget it. Um. And then I like it's it's fine. So what? They're all early thirties is what they're supposed to be in this. I guess no, exactly thirty one is what they're. <laughs> it's kind of funny because you and I are in our early thirties. You're kind of mid thirties, but they uh, <laughs> they they look way older than us. And Philip Seymour Hoffman looked fifty. His, He's supposed like, the to be thirty. He, the entire He's time supposed he was to be thirty one in this movie. It's just because like, of the way he dressed too. Like, ain't yeah. no way. It's also funny that he was in in this movie. He's into young women, and then his son, who was in Licorice Pizza, was into older women. I kept thinking that the whole time. So, but it's funny when Ed Norton's character comes in, Monty, and he's like, "Oh, that girl's cute over there," and it's like she's a high schooler, <laughs> and he like he hones in on it too. He's like, "Oh, that's the that's the slutty one that like everyone's into." You know what I mean? Like like looks her up and down. Um, and then we have the scene right after this where she's like, you gave me a B minus and you gave this other guy an A and he's a fucking idiot. And she's like, so you're not going to change my grade? And he's like, no, I can't change your grade. And she just like storms off. Yeah. It's also like, it kind of shows him too of like, oh, why why do you like this girl? And she's like, oh, it's because she dresses that way. There's nothing about her that you should like because she's annoying, as you say. But it's like, he likes her because like, she's the hot girl in class. She makes him feel some kind of way in his pants. We next meet Barry Pepper. Uh, the first thing I ever saw Barry Pepper in was the baseball movie 61, which we'll eventually do when we make you watch a bunch of sports movies. He is such a piece of shit in this opening scene. And it's like also very funny because this is probably the part that reminds you of Margin Call a little bit. But it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he is. He is basically gambling over the unemployment number with a hundred million dollars. And so this is our introduction to this guy. And then he spends the rest of the movie judging every single other person in this as he is doing like as this is his job. Uh, I can't really um, think about Barry Pepper and anything else. I mean, I've seen Saving Private Ryan. But I don't remember him in it. I mean, it's been a while. He has, he's He's an actor that's like. He's not in a lot, a lot of stuff, is he? I mean, I think he's mostly kind of doing like he's definitely not leading a ton of movies, right? No, he's that kind of like that quirky side character type guy. He was in Seven Pounds, which is a big one for me that people didn't like that much. Um, With uh, yeah. Willie, Willie Smith, right? 
Yeah, and then knock around guys. 61, though. That's the one. We're going to do it. He was in Battlefield Earth, which is... That, that didn't do well for anybody. No. Um, but yeah, I just... I love I love the fact that... And the movie's not very subtle about it, but like this dude is a piece of shit who is judging every other person in the movie and is like shitty to all of his friends because he doesn't think they're like good enough. You know what I mean? And so it's... I don't know. I, I love that I think part of, of it. I think you're the 67th percentile, David. Oh, that mean... Thank you. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I like how yeah, <laughs> I like how the question is like, what is that based on? And he's like, you know, money, job, you know, you just you don't not have desirable. Money. <laughs> if you don't have money, you can't even get top 90. Um, And then we get the Rosario Dawson piece where we meet her and we get the flashback. And, you know, she wants to she wants to get him to get in the tub with her now. And he's like, nah. And then we flash back to when he he was in the tub with her. And the DEA shows up. And um, I think this is the time I realized, like, I don't know why. Maybe I realized it then and I forgot. But, like, it's obviously really well done in the movie. That it's like the DEA agent walks in, is trying to be subtle, but immediately sits down on where the drugs are. Right. Immediately. He, like, he knew. And I love uh monty's reaction of like can you just get this over with and fucking open the like like i know like quit doing this i know you know yeah but i love his his monologue up to there he was like man this is a nice couch not as comfortable to sit on that i thought it was gonna be and then he like he asks his other da agent he's like what do you think it is what he's like the cushion yeah the cushion seems a little lumpy yeah it's great so um, but it, it's it's also painfully obvious to two things about that. It's painfully obvious that he, you know he knows and what he's working up to. But also the way they cut back to Rosario Dawson's like POV, like over the shoulder shot of her, and Monty keeps looking back at her, it's almost like he's looking at her like how do they know? Uh-huh. Yeah, like she and she immediately her reaction immediately makes her seem guilty like, oh, he thinks yeah, I did this or it does. You know whatever. Um, so the guy who plays Agent Flood, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., has a very famous catchphrase that he uses in this and The Wire, which is just shit. And a friend of mine from college, we used to joke <laughs> about this, and I have I meant I didn't have time to go get it from my dad's house, but I have like a eight to 10 inch tall Isaiah Whitlock Jr. statute that has a button on it that you press and all no, that button don't. does says she <laughs> it's like it's a prized possession like at my dad's house I'll, I'll bring it over one day okay yes please okay so we 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 get another flashback um to Rosario Dawson's character where she's in high school and you know what's kind of funny too it's like okay so I take it that Philip Seymour Hoffman and Edward Norton and her are around the same age. So if this was back when she was 18, do we ever get how old natural is like present day movie? No, no. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, do I don't know assume... how long they've been together. I think no, someone I would've... said five years. No. Oh, you know what? I think this is like a fucking SAT question, but I think he had been out of school like 
three years when he met her. He said something like that to her. So he was like 21, maybe. But I don't know. That doesn't make sense either. He was drug dealing in the park. He was drug dealing in high school. He didn't. I mean, the only thing they did to him to make him look younger is shave off that horrible goatee. Yeah, I want to talk about the goatee in the end, too. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think there are probably some clues to what her age is now. Um, I don't know. She was hot throughout. You know what I mean? So like, but Rosario Dawson in a schoolgirl uniform. Well, that's that's gross, Alon. She was a high schooler at that point, and that's just she was eighteen, a couple years younger. <laughs> <laughs> a couple months younger, the conversation would be cut short. Uh, it wouldn't have though. That's the thing though. It wouldn't have been cut short. <laughs> but it just kept going. What a sleaze ball! That's the thing about Ed Norton too. He plays a very likable sleaze ball, but a sleaze you know ball nonetheless. I was also trying to figure out, was she like, she was at a local park on a break? That's like the crazy thing, I guess, about being in New York City going to school is that she just like, I'm going to take my break. I'm going to walk like just off school grounds to some playground. Is that what she was doing? You know what I mean? Like it was, it was very odd. It could have been, it could have been after school. I mean, she was smoking. I think she said she had to get back to class though. I got to get back to Mr. Rogers class. Um... I don't know who that is or what that, that was. was Rosario Dawson. Let's get back to the present day where he like tells her, I want you to wear that silver dress tonight. I don't know what to say. I didn't really like that silver dress on her. I thought we could you know, do something better. Good. I'm glad we're on the same page of this. I think she should have gone back to the school girl. girl you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Another thing we just bring up now is like the movie ended in a totally unrealistic way with me because they did not sleep together. Before he left. And in your last 24 oh, hours, when yeah, you're with yeah, Rosario yeah. Dawson, that's like the one thing you need to do. Yeah. I Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Maybe he, he felt he, like he was going to get plenty of that in prison. So he was like, not, <laughs> he had to save his energy. Not that way. Not, not on the giving end. But the, uh, the, the fact that he was like, no, I want my best friend to beat the shit out of me, but not sex with my girlfriend. Yeah. That, it's a good point there, David. It made sense. It made sense. So he he leaves the apartment, and um, Tony Saragusa is there. They, he didn't want he didn't want them to smell the pussy on him. <laughs> it's like it's like an aphrodisiac. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So they're out. He's outside the apartment, and Tony Saragusa is like, "Oh, it was it's you know it's natural. She's the one that gave you up." Da 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 da. And then it sh- the camera goes up pans up and she's like outside the window i was like did she hear that yeah but then it's like you feel like she heard it but it's not brought up it's not like she i don't know she doesn't say anything about it so it's like maybe she kind of says it to barry pepper's character in the club where she was like y'all think y'all think i gave him up right well that's because he straight up accuses her of doing it yeah she's on edge though yeah, I mean, it, it, it's probably this. If she did hear it, she's probably like, I can't. Well, I'm just if I deny it, like, you know, what I mean, like he hasn't accused me to my face. I'm not just going to come out and deny it because it's like he's not going to believe me. So I'll just, you know, I'll just let it go or whatever. From from there, we go to the dad's bar and the, his dad is played by Brian Cox. By the way, a Brian Cox can play anyone's f- white father in Hollywood. And it it works out. He's he's so great. Um, also, has Brian Cox always been that old? I think so. Since okay, yeah, since nineteen thirty. Yeah, and um, 
but he's he's awesome in this. He's awesome in pretty much anything he does. Um, but I like I like how Ed Norton divulges to him. He's like, "Do you think Natural gave me up?" And there's like he doesn't say no. Of course not, right off the bat. But when it ends up being no, and he, then he tells his dad, "It's like, oh, it was never Natural." His dad was like, "Of course it wasn't." moron right he doesn't say moron i'm imagining his succession character says moron but uh i i just he's like and brian cox doesn't really play at least for me from what i've seen him in doesn't always play the nicest father figure um but he seems like a really good guy in this he does he's a very like caring loving father um even up until the end i um this scene, I think, is most memorable for the bathroom scene. And I was uh-huh. getting ready to come in here and be like, Spike just likes these, right? Um, but this was in the book. And the only thing added to it was the Osama bin Laden part. But like the speech, for the most part, was in there. Yeah, when I, when I was watching this with Taylor, and she was like, wow, it doesn't really feel like a Spike Lee movie. I was like, yeah, it doesn't really feel like a Spike Lee movie. And then he goes down the really super racist rant, and I'm like, now there it feels like a spikely movie we've come full circle yeah um (laughs) yeah i don't know i i always this this speeches always make me laugh so you know i get it it's offensive but it was you know it was good stuff (laughs) just how hard he went in it just i mean it's like that do the right thing scene although 10 times is bad well but it's funny too is like he uh, the reason I like it a lot is, well, one, he starts making fun of even the people in his life. So it's not just that. Two, he then tells himself to go fuck himself because he's like, you're being a being a bitch right now. And then three, the movie ends it with him seeing all the people in that speech as he's yep. leaving New York City. And it's like he was talking shit about these things that he loves. He loves the, you know, the brothers on the basketball court and the, the Jewish guys selling diamonds like he. He fucking loves New York City, so it's like... I mean, he, he even told the, the little kids to go fuck themselves, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really mean it. So, like, he, similar to Do the Right Thing, like, talking shit about all of these different people in the city, it's like, but he loves it. And it's like, he, like, shit-talking is kind of a part of, like, you know, the life, and it's also like, I love these people that I talk shit about. Do you think it also has the fact that he's about to be put away for for a good amount of years so he he's just like i i did not appreciate this as much as i should have as as much as i could have well so i think in the beginning in the bathroom he's like fuck all this 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 place sucks anyway fuck i'm like you know whatever seven years to get away from this and then in the end he's like nah man i love this i'm I'm gonna miss it you know what i mean like more of yeah. like it's kind of like the stages of grief and like at the end yeah. it's acceptance so we next go to barry pepper's place and um my friend Zach, his dad always calls him Barry Pepage, so we always call him Barry Pepage. Um, cool, cool story, bro. And, and we talk about him enough that like that nickname yeah, has come up quite a bit. Apparently, so. apparently. Um, his place overlooks like the Twin Towers, like memorial site, basically. At, at that point, it wasn't even the more memorial; they just had the lights up that you know shined in the like where the, it was the, the towers were. It was the construction site, yeah. The one thing I'll say about this is so like obviously the back and forth we talked about them talking about Monty and what can they do for him and and Barry Pepper saying, well, you know, fuck it. Like, I love him, but like he deserves what's happening to him. He's a drug dealer. Um, 
the music is super loud and intense in the scene, especially like at the end when it's just kind of showing the people working at the site. And I was like, yeah, I think that worked more in 2002. Now I was just like, that's really loud. And like my really <laughs> overshadowing the scene. One of my favorite parts about that scene, that conversation isn't even uh, them talking about anything to do with Ed Norton uh, Monty. But I think it was Philip Seymour Hoffman who was like, you know, the post says that the radiation levels down there are really, really bad. And then uh, no, he said the times and he's like, oh, he goes, he goes. Yeah. So he goes, the times down there says that, that the radiation is really, really bad. And then uh, Barry Pepper goes, well, it's a good thing I don't read the times. He said, fuck the, the times. I read the post. I read the post. And the post says it's OK. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, oh, one of them's lying. Um, yeah, I don't know. That scene's also pretty great. And it's just like, it is one of the the scenes of the movie where, like, it really, obviously, it really ties into 9 11 and really kind of grounds the movie and dates the movie in, like, the experience of, like, New York after that event. So yeah. um, we next get the flashback with the. You DA. mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> so they flash back to the I don't know, you're like on something today. From they, Spider-Man. So they, they flash back to the DEA questioning him and they first show them letting Rosario go. And I was like, why are they doing that? And I think it must be just to fuck with him. Just it's to, a it's a play. Yeah. But it's like I don't really get the actual logical sense of it. But I love his line of like, hey, can I ask you a question? Does he keep talking the entire time your dick's in his mouth? Or like, does he take a break? Like, what is and and then he's, they, they tell him, like, you know, I you're going to go to wait for 15 after he does the whole, your honor, I was scared and da, 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 da. And he's like, he's like, your fucking like little act isn't going to work. You're getting 15 years. Um, As a lawyer, if this was your first time and you're caught, he wasn't even caught drug dealing. He just caught was caught having it looked just like money. But I, I didn't know you could get arrested for just money. There were drugs in there. Oh, there there were? I just saw they money. They said there was a, they said there was over a kilo. Uh oh shit. No, they had a warrant. Oh, man, well, we can't do anything about that. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of this that was just like you know, it's it's we just have to accept what's happening too because they're like oh you're gonna get 15 years and then he ends up getting seven and you're like well how did he get seven did he did he sell someone out a little bit or you know what did he do i think that's what nikolai was thinking too no yeah exactly uncle exactly. nikolai and you have this foreboding figure throughout the film you don't see him until the end but but you know that when everyone well not everyone but you know when like certain people are like asking him you're gonna be there you got you gotta be there dude you know we uncle nikolai really wants you at the club tonight you kind of piece together oh, okay it's his it's his kingpin that is like gonna make sure instead of getting you know ass fucked in jail don't give me up or i will fucking kill you yeah, pretty much. That Nikolai guy looked like... I was like, is that Michael Shannon in some sort of <laughs> makeup and prosthetics? Like, what's going on there? Um, 
So we're next into the 62% versus 92%. Um, <laughs> Barry Pepper's like, I'm happy to be blessed with a very big dick. And this all is really funny when they eventually go to the bar and he's like, hey, so why is it that <laughs> women always cry after great sex? <laughs> and it like, as he tells them and they laugh at him, it hits him that that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> I, I just love how uh, Rosario Dawson busts his balls on like everything he says. She's like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and it, it makes it makes Phil, Philip Seymour Hoppins character feel a lot better about his situation, even though even though and he's right about this. He's talking about Anna Paquin's character and he's like, she's not even that good looking. And Anna Paquin is beautiful and hot whatever whatever description you want to you want to use on her somehow they just did not make her that attractive in this film they didn't accentuate what you wanted did they you i don't know i don't think we should be objectifying women in this way you know no I, mean? I just mean i just mean they made her look a very certain type of way that worked for her character but she could have looked like 10 times hot when who was it? Someone in the movie was like, oh, I think it was Monty who was like, I wish I was an X-Men, the one that can walk through walls. And I go, oh, shit, is that Anna Paquin's character in X-Men? It's not. It's um, uh, at the time, Ellen Page's character in X-Men. But um, but I was like, man, to mention X-Men and have Anna Paquin in your movie. Ballsy I think, move. Ballsy I think Brian Cox was also an X-Men, wasn't he at some point? He was in the second one. Yeah. Yeah, that was in one of those stupid little fun facts. So I also like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character tells him about the professor that's in love with a 16-year-old. And Frank is immediately like, is it fucking you? <laughs> He's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> He's on to me. I love how that all comes to a head when uh, when they just so happen to be outside the same club. Mr. Alinsky, what are you doing here? And I think the the DJ's name is DJ. Is it Dawn? Dusk. Dusk. Well, <laughs> you know, there, there I am. Dusk till dawn. Dusk till dawn. So he's, she's like, I didn't know you were a fan of DJ Dusk. And he's like, Oh, oh yeah, he's the I, truth. He is the truth. And he's like, Yeah, I, I love his early work. <laughs> and she's like, Early work. What? Well, what's funny about that is because earlier. Um, Edward Norton is talking to the bouncer who is played by Patrice, who's a, a comic, was a comic. He passed away. Oh. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's this D Dusk guy is in tonight. He's 17. He's new. So there is no early work. But Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman was too far away to have heard that. So it's just like even us as the audience know why that's stupid. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just so stupid. But um, I love how. Ed Ed Norton is like, hey, who's your friend? And he's like, oh, she's just she's a student of mine. He goes, oh, nice. Let's get her in. Do you want to come in with us? She's like, I got four other guys with me. He goes, you think I'm going to bring guys in? She's like, yeah, you're right. And just fucks her friends. She probably does. Yeah. I uh, I think Ed Norton's too. He brings her in just because he thinks it's funny. Well, one, he's like, oh, you know, maybe <laughs> I can get. I can get Philip Seymour Hoffman some some action, but I don't two, think that's what like, he was 
I don't think that because he saw her in it in the class at the beginning of the movie and he thought she was hot. So he probably was trying to get her too. Oh, but he no, also he's pretty committed to Rosario. So no, yeah, I think he thought it was just funny to fuck with his friend like this because his friend's like, she can't come in. She's 16. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'll do whatever. Like, I'm going to jail tomorrow. I'm not going to jail for this. <laughs> yeah, can't can't can't. You want to come with me, buddy? <laughs> so she's there and they all go in and he's like, you're going to get me fired. And he's like, dude, just you haven't done anything. Just fucking play it cool. I know you're incapable of that. It's also love- he's. Yeah. He says that she's 17 and it's like in the fake story she was 16. So it's like, is he just trying to make it better now? He's like, she's 17 years old. The the other thing, too, it's like to show her age, right? To show her immaturity. <laughs> she's like never been here. She's like, I think, wow, I think I've seen this in a Daft Punk music video, like this back room or something. And she when they get the champagne on the table, she just gulps it down. And, he, and Monty's like, did did you like that? Like, yeah, <laughs> it was delicious. Um, Yeah, no, it's all that's all very funny. So then they all decide to kind of leave Philip Seymour Hoffman alone, right? So like Rosario and Mary is her name, go dancing. And then uh, Tony Saragusa comes up and is like, I've got this hot bitch I want you to come see, which I don't think, I mean, we never see, certainly. And he, him and Frank go, and he wants to talk to Frank about something. And the whole time, like, you're like, oh, we're never going to find out what that was because they don't really tell you. But it, the thing he wanted to talk to him about this entire time is, is I need you to hit me as hard as you can. <laughs> like, basically, fight club. But Frank doesn't even. When he brings it back up at the end of the movie in the park. I didn't get the feeling that they talked about this before. Well, he he all he says is i need you to promise to do something for me and then he tells him in the park what it is 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 how i thought it was going down but didn't feel like that conversation that we couldn't hear but see it was long enough to like explain what he needed from him not just tell him maybe and maybe the reason he acted like he didn't know and like what it was later was just like i that you're serious like this is what you how can you ask me to do this you know what i mean he was like oh he was fucked up that night he's not really asking me to do this so there's kind of two stories in this. Let's talk about the least interesting one is when Philip Seymour Hoffman follows his 16 year old high school student to the bathroom. And before that, actually, she's like on his fucking lap um, and he's asleep. Uh, but then I mean, he she wakes- assaulted him. I don't think she ever touched him. She was on his lap. That's assault? Of a sexual nature, too. But she was on E, so, and she's a minor. I don't know. He follows her to the fucking bathroom and kisses her, and she is shook, my brother. She is. It's. I don't know what the point of that is. Is it like, because one, she got on his lap earlier, so why are you so, like, weirded out about the kiss? Um... But it almost felt like she kind of she like flirted with him, not thinking anything would happen. Just like, oh, I'm doing this flirty thing to get my grade. And then he and then he kisses her. And she's like, oh, fuck, did not did not know this was going to happen. I also like the fact that she's like, you're I'm not going to blackmail you into giving me an A now. And he's like, you're not going to blackmail me into giving you an A now. Right. And she's like, yeah. 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But now she has so many things she, she can got that a. he didn't she doesn't even have to ask anymore that a that a is happening if she even remembers what happens the day after yeah so i do like too there's two pretty cool shots there's first the shot of anna paquin coming back after dancing where she's sort of it's just like on her and she's sort of dancing down the hallway to get back to philip seymour hoffman and then after he kisses her in the bathroom we get sort of the standard dolly shot from spike except this one's not straight on it's from like above and an angle yeah yeah but it's philip from seymour hoffman just philip not seymour moving hoffman. on it but moving on a dolly both pretty cool pretty pretty cool um we didn't really talk about it but we got that shot in malcolm x too oh um, yeah we did like very similar to the one he's yeah gonna die yeah that's very I mean, similar that's... to the one in inside man of denzel yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the most famous one is the Malcolm X one. So um, we're next getting the scene where Barry Pepper first like tells Rosario that <laughs> uses a very offensive term and calls her a skank. Um, and then after that part where she's like, you know, if I if, if you want me to be the bad guy, I'll be the bad guy. If you want to assume that I did this, fine. Just assume I did it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then Philip Seymour Kaufman comes, uh, Hoffman comes up and he's like, I kissed my 16 year old student. He's like, what are you fucking trying to be R Kelly? And he's like, drink this alcohol. Like, <laughs> You need it. Uh, um, and then uh, we finally meet Nikolai. I thought it was going to be a really famous, well-known actor. Uh, not to me though. I did not. I did not know him at all. I but... did not know who that guy was. His name is Lavani. He's okay. got one name on IMDb. And he's like, share. Yeah, sure. That's yeah, that's the one I would go with first. Yeah, you know the thing is though, it's like you know what he's coming in here and accusing Monty of. Like you know it's gonna be, hey, you, you know, don't give me up or I'll fucking have you killed. And you're definitely gonna get sexually assaulted in jail. So just take it like a man. I did like his whole like tattoo, survive on you, do what you have to, but like man up and and do this yourself like i like i i like it so he's like when i went into prison at 14 i came out a man i don't think he was telling him to just accept the prison rape he told him like find a guy and beat the shit out of him no no, so no i'm just saying accept your circumstances accept your oh, circumstances okay, okay. <laughs> he's like when i was 14 i went in and i was very pretty um so it's then revealed that uh Tony Saragusa, Kostya is his name in the movie, apparently, is the rat. And apparently the DEA got this guy to turn on Ed Norton so that Ed Norton would turn on Nikolai. And I'm like, why could that guy yeah. not just turn on Nikolai? Why yeah, that... add a middleman? That part made no sense to me. Nope. But it's just a choice for the movie and the book. And um, But yeah, and then he's like... He, obviously he's not going to kill him but he's like they'll kill you <laughs> like i don't have to be the one to take care of this like you're dead already i like though when he had the gun in his hand he just wanted to know why i think he and, wanted to and, confirm that they were right because they they all said you know this is the guy that did it and he's like why'd you do it why'd you do it why'd you do it and he's like i had no choice which is a confirmation of oh so he did do it but I don't even think it was why did you do it I don't think even Monty cares about I that. needed I the confirmation it, I needed it no but I think he also like Monty wanted the confirmation of why did you try 
to pin Naturel for it. I think it's the I only think, well, but as the as the Russian Ukrainian gangster said, it's um there were only two people that knew where that stuff was besides him, Natural and Kostya. So like that's he had to pin it on the other person that knew. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um I just going back to Anna Paquin, I love how she's just like, Man, I just love her name, Naturel. Like all natural ingredients. Like <laughs> we get it. Like, shut the fuck up. We get it. Um, And so then he leaves and he gets home at 6 a.m. Still doesn't sleep with Rosario Dawson. He's like, I got one more thing to do. And it's like, oh, he's going to go walk the dog. And I I mean, I I love this reveal of him wanting to get beat up. And he's like, I need you to make me ugly. And I'm like, well, why don't you fucking shave that goatee, first of all? Because that, you know, that's a thing you should probably do like you've perfectly shaved all around it. Maybe don't make yourself look like, you know, that, um, (laughs) Jesus, David. And then in order to get Frank to punch him, he punches Philip Seymour Hoffman. And then Frank just fucking wails on him really gives it to him. And I love the way they cut all the sound spike does to just hear the ambient background sound of like, chirping and you know passing people running but like cuts all the the you know their screams and talking dog barking and yeah i love that part of it It it's great no it was it was really it made it more powerful and how barry pepper just fell down crying and then philip seymour hoffman goes to monty's side and he's just like seeing if he's okay and then Monty goes down to Barry Pepper's side and is like seeing if he's okay. Um, I I just want to say there's a lot of character growth in this day. And Monty grows, but not, you know, in a kind of in a way we get to this in the in the end. I want to talk to you about the end. We get Philip Seymour Hoffman's character kind of grows, kind of grows some balls on him a little bit. Dumb stupid but there's an arc there the character that grows pedophilia (laughs) no well yeah uh the the character that grows the most that has the biggest character arc in this whole fucking thing is barry pepper's character well too and i like how you know he's like punch me he's like no i can't do that you're my friend he's like dude you want to fucking do this and it also kind of after he beats the shit out of Ed Norton, it's like this, you're right, this moment of reflection of like, I do fucking hate all my friends and why do I judge them all so much? And like, I'm not a good person either, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think, uh, yeah, I, his, his character arc is a cool one. I really liked it. I just like, you see this really asshole character go through the, all of this and then you see just a realization of his on his face at the end. I'm I'm in it for the Barry Pepper story, man. Me too. Me too. So the way this movie should have ended is he goes back to the apartment, he sleeps with Rosario Dawson, <laughs> you really gets in on the that, car, huh? drives out of New York, sees all those people that he was talking shit about, and then the movie fades to black. And instead, we get about a ten minute dream sequence of him moving to what new mexico 
and working in a Somewhere bar in the fucking desert, getting dude. fake ID. And then years later, he can get natural to join him. And I'm just like, why are we doing this? I like my least favorite thing in the entire movie. I don't really understand why it's in there. Brian Cox is narrating it from the get go. Um, his dad is just a huge advocate of him being like, look, let me not take you to jail and let's break the law together. And you run away and live out your days, you know, not being, um, ass jostled in, in prison. And what? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> and just the light jostling of the ass, the light jostling of the ass. Let's not do that. And then, um, I guess he wakes up and, that's the end of the movie. So you don't actually know if he, which path he decides to take. I think he's going to jail. Pretty confident. Dude, after all of that trouble, like if you're ever caught and then you're sent to jail, first of all, you get like double time. And second of all, it almost just seems easier just to go to jail, serve out your seven years and come back. Doesn't it? <sighs> I mean, yeah, if you get caught, too, well, first of all, I don't know. If you can get out of the country and maybe to a non-extradition country, that might be the play. Um, I, but they make you surrender your passport. I don't know. I just hate, I just, I hate the whole dream sequence. I don't, like, really understand. I don't, I just think, like, it's kind of a perfect ending for him to be like, you know, I even, having his dad say, we can run away, and him just like, no, you know, I gotta, I gotta do this, and just, like, him driving him to the prison, I think is kind of perfect. So this part of it, I was just like, I don't, it's just so weird. It doesn't like ruin it for me, but I'm just like, it's and long. Then it's long you're and an, weird. When you're an 80 year old man and have grandchildren, that's when you sit them all down and tell them that you're a runaway con. Yeah. That is the play. There was this uh, recent story. This woman just came out. She's like, yeah, my dad who just died. She's like three months ago, just told us he was a bank robber and he changed his name and moved across the country and like was on the most wanted list for 40 years. And then like it all turned out to be true. Like this guy was a guy who just did what Ed Norton did in this movie, but in real life. So I imagine he was probably a big 25th hour fan. He's like, it'll work. You can make it happen. Um, I, the biggest thing to me is that he never, he never shaved his goatee. <laughs> no, he did. Right. He like grew out. He grew out like handlebar mustache for, for like living in the desert. I don't know. He didn't change his appearance enough for my liking. Um, well, overall I, you know, I give this movie like, like a B minus. I liked it. I thought the acting was really good. I thought there were some like, some dialogue in this movie that was really, really well written, well acted. Um, but overall, I don't know Would I have seen this movie in the theaters when it came out. If I wasn't 10, 10 years, when you 10 years old, <laughs> when I wasn't 10 years old, uh, probably not, probably honestly not. Um, but yeah, I mean, now I can say that I've, I've seen I can't tell you how many times I've seen that fuck you rant on Twitter 
of just just and and me always wondering what the fuck is that from and so now i know so i guess my life is complete in that sense um but yeah b minus nowhere near a bad movie very competent movie just not my kind of movie we're 200 something episodes in and this is the first time you've given a letter grade so well we're gonna start doing it now (laughs) (laughs) real quick uh alicia keys was considered for the role of natural that's i don't see know how that would have worked and then Brittany Murphy was originally going to play uh, the Anna Paquin character, which would have, I think, worked fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I uh, this movie really kind of grew on me on the second watch. You know, when we were going to do this, I was like, I remember liking it okay. And I don't know, this it's just a really kind of well done, tight little movie that's like, at the end of the day, you're like, not a lot happened. You know what I mean? Like what? That's why I kind of compared it to like a Woody Allen movie, where it's like, what? What actually occurred in this? But I think it's like conceptually very, very interesting. And then the way it was executed, I think the acting and the dialogue all kind of, I don't know. This movie grew on me on this watch, and I um, no, I definitely would recommend if you're for some reason we always do this, but if you're listening to this and haven't watched, like this is a great movie, and I am glad we finally talked about it. You know how old Rosario Dawson was when she filmed this movie? In the schoolgirl uniform? How old? <laughs> Half my age, plus seven. Thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, and I finally watched 25th Hour.